Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. We, again, are going to dive into the book of Psalms. And as we are doing the reading plan throughout the whole year, I hope you're enjoying just getting to experience God's Word in a different format than maybe what you're used to. And so now that we've entered into the writings section and we deal with Psalms and Proverbs and all the books that come along with it, we are just processing this out loud with you listening in. So thanks for listening, and we're excited to hear from you if you've got questions or if you want more information, of course, the Park Hills Church dot com website or the Park Hills Church app. book of psalms it's a good one it is what what uh, a diverse and and deep and and rich literary collection this is and uh, I think most of us who have walked with the Lord any length of time have, have come running to the psalms in various seasons of life and mm-hmm. they, that sort of thing they become very special to us but really they they tell a story don't they they do, and it it comes in different ways and in different forms. And so the way that I wanted to deal with it in this particular episode of the podcast is if you, if you step back to Psalm 1, and I'll, I'll read it here, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaves do not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And if you start there with this psalm, you can then see this story unpacking itself through the rest of the psalms. You've got a number of individuals that arise as evil individuals that you wish judgment would, would come. And so the psalm writers, whether it's, you know, the very next verse and two, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain, right? Or you've got another one of that like in Psalm 46, or you've got a number of spaces in the psalms where people are lamenting or they're singing a song of, of you know, uh, imprecatory psalms, is what we call them, songs of judgment. And so there's this idea of, Lord, you are righteous. I am planted by the stream of of water. I am a tree growing up and developing into who I want to be. And then the rest of the Psalms sort of interact with that idea over and over again. And it both makes us yearn to be a person who is planted by streams of water, like we read in Psalm 1. And it also makes us yearn for one who is going to do a better job of following God than we are. And so in yeah. many ways, what the Psalms are doing is, is yearning in our heart to be better as we are. And second, to realize that there needs to be one that's going to come along to fix the problem once and for all. And both of those things are sort of dancing with each other all the way through the Psalms. And then you end with all these great praise hymns, and, you know, the end of, of, of the book of Psalms. And as these, all these fantastic praise hymns happen, you just go, okay. I'm yearning for someone who's going to come along and fix the problem. Mm-hmm. 
And then we see Jesus eventually do that. And so in so many ways, and I know last week Alex and I challenged you to really take your time with the Psalms. I hope you're doing that. And as you do so, my hope is that you start even to see some of this story pop up. You'll notice how many times Messiah arises. Or you'll also notice how many times you're left in just utter conviction about things. And at the same time, you'll also notice that there are people who are calling out to God and pretty angry about what's happening in the world. And there's freedom for you to do the same. But I'd rather you go to God than jump on a news station. Or I'd rather you go yeah. to God than create a web, you know, a website or a, uh, you know, a podcast of your own where you just sit around and complain about how terrible the world is. <laughs> and so the story of Psalms sort of lead us into the space of it's safest when I'm in the presence of the Lord, letting him guide my heart, letting him guide my spirit to be the person I'm supposed to be. Uh, and, I, yeah, that being there, I think speaks to what what the draw is, I think, amongst the books of the Bible mm. in, in regards to there's a relationship and, and that we can, we just know about that. That's doctrinal. We, we have that relationship, but the intimacy isn't always seen. Mm-hmm. And and the beautiful thing that, that really I, I like about the Psalms is, is you see this, you are you have that intimacy with God or you kind of don't. Mm. Um, and it, it adds emotion to the narrative. So, I mean, Psalm 51 is so famous for it, obviously. You've got the account of David and his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah and, and the loss of the child, all that sort of thing. And, and it's sort of just matter of fact telling the story. But... When you look at Psalm 90 or Psalm 51, you get that uh, that picture into the heart and soul of a man who's broken and mm. and ashamed and desperate for a merciful response from God and sort of like you know I know I can't reset the clock, but. Can, can you just create in me a pure heart, O oh God? Can you mm-hmm. renew a steadfast spirit in me? It's it's not it's not erase it. It's it, but this the words in there restore and save. You know, pretty pretty powerful. And so I like it because you know when we we go through the narrative uh, parts of scripture where we're seeing about people, reading about people and what they do and all that sort of thing. And we've talked about them in other podcasts mm-hmm. and it, it's one thing to just read it in the objective sense. So-and-so did this, so-and-so did that. They send in this way, they honor God in that way. And, but boy, to go back and to, to then get a window into the what's going on in the heart and soul of that person at that time is, is pretty cool. Uh, on the negative side of that, uh, I'll just use the latter part of Psalm 50. Um, not, certainly not as famous, but it, it, starting in verse 16, it says, But to the wicked, sa- God says, What right have you to recite my laws or take my covenant on your lips? You hate my instructions. You cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you join with him. You throw in your lot with the adulterers. You use your mouth for evil and in your your harness your and harness your tongue to deceit hmm. you speak continually against your brother you slander your own your own mother's son 
these things I have done, I've kept, uh, these things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and accuse you to your face. Consider this, you who forget God, I will tear you to pieces with none to rescue. He, he who sacrifices thank offerings honors me, and he who prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. <laughs> it, I don't know that we think of the Psalms as defining you're out, but that's certainly what that's doing. Yeah. So it's like, and notice he says, you recite my laws and you take my covenants. He's speaking there to a people who think they're yeah. godly. Yeah. They think they're in. Yeah. And here you got, take the intimacy that uh, of David, uh, Davidic Psalms and, and just this, this deep connection, whether it's in sorrow or joy or, you know, just pure worship, there's a connection there. And then to hear even within the Psalms addressing, yeah, to the wicked, you, you talk about me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, all the rules, you, 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 you're my covenants on Mm -hmm. your lips, you're talking the stuff, but you, I have no part with you. That's that's heavy. It is. And I think we want it to be the nations. We want it to be the bad ones. We want sure. it to be those. And the Bible really lives in this tension a lot of times of some of the individuals who are most harshly dealt with are the people that you and I might look at and go, oh, they're good. They're doing great things. And the Bible's really careful to suggest you don't know what's going on on the inside. And so that's a caution to you and I and to everyone else that's listening to be people who really are letting God change us from the inside out. Not to say that you aren't saved if you're not doing that. But but really what God is yearning for is this desire of relationship with us in such a way that he's going to guide us and lead us and change us and mold us from the inside out, which all starts back with Psalm 1 and then leads us through the rest of this book. So we could go on and on and on about this idea of story in the Psalms, but what are some of your favorites? Oh, favorite. that's a little tough. <laughs> I mean, there's so many... Um, Oh, somewhere between one and one fifty. Some of them are because I heard a message that really gripped me oh, on good. it. Um, Psalm sixty-two. I, I'm getting a little bit emotional as I think about it. Um, I remember Cliff speaking about it, um, and just the emphasis at the end. One thing God has spoken, and two things I've heard that you, O oh God, are strong, mm-hmm. and that you, O oh God, are loving. Uh, how, how just cool and. Uh, you know, the problem is I got my Bible open. I'm seeing other ones as I go. But, you know, <laughs> Psalm 63, oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you and my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. Um, just cool. Just a soul thirsting after God. There's so many like that. But Psalm 91 is super special to me. Um Partially because I want to bet over it. Um, <laughs> I was in college and uh, we were uh, challenged. It's a to, unique reason to like one. <laughs> yeah, challenged, challenged to memorize scripture or memorize Psalm 91. And uh, so I uh, challenged some of my peers to uh, memorize it. You know, See so who could memorize it first. And, you know, it's still it's still there. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of Almighty. Cool. I will save the Lord. He's my refuge and my fortress. I've got my... Uh, NIV memory of it there, but uh, just just a cool, cool psalm. But there are many. I like that. That's that's awesome. I didn't actually know that about you. Learning something new right now. I was listening. Uh, 
you know, Psalm 104. Hey, if a bet gets you to memorize a chapter of scripture, <laughs> then bring it on the bet. I guess that's not a bad bet, right? In the end of it all. <laughs> Call it a challenge. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I did win. I did win. Good. Well, Psalm 104 for me, you know, the, this creation narrative respelled out in Psalm 104 is amazing. They forced us to write a paper on it in college. And uh, I hated it at the beginning. And then by the end of it, I was really in love with that psalm and, and all that it, it brings out. You know, there's so it's many. Funny how that works. Yeah, there's so many sections of, of scripture that you don't even realize are actually inspired by the Psalms or songs, right? That are inspired by the songs, uh, Psalms. And so, uh, you know, I'm thinking about Psalm 119. There's so many different spots there. You know, mm. your word is a light into my feet and a lamp to my path, which then Amy Grant made a very famous song out of that. You know, yeah, yeah there might there might have been some some playtime for that one. Uh, you know, so we, we can go there. You know, the songs of ascent near the end of the book are all just beautiful, talking about coming up to Israel and, and, and worshiping him and doing that. Uh, you know, the, the New Testament writers are really interested in Psalm 2, 8, and 110 because all of those talk about this messianic promise of one who's going to come and rule uh, with an iron scepter, which doesn't sound great at the beginning, but by the end of it, you're like, oh, I like yeah. that. I like yeah. that. I want Jesus to be that guy. You know, and we've already talked about Psalm 1, obviously, and then. You know, of course, there's Psalm 119. I, I don't know how you can leave a podcast on the Psalms and not point out the longest, most impressive yeah, of the right. Psalms. Do you got any others? Well, and maybe this is a, a good one to wind it down on. And, and you know, it, it helps when they've, they've been put to music or whatever. But uh, what amazing words in Psalm 84. Better is one day in your courts mm-hmm. than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Ah, that's that's good stuff. And maybe it's good for us to remind ourselves of that, especially when we get too wound up in how things are here or too upset about mm-hmm. or too interested in how things are here and hear the words of the psalmist going, nah, better is one day, one day with you than a thousand anywhere else. That's uh, pretty powerful. It's powerful. And the amount of times that that, passage has floated through my head uh, I'm thinking about a number of Sundays where maybe I was doing something that people thought was quote unquote below the pastor you know what I'm saying and they've sure. been like oh you shouldn't be doing that you know well, someone else should be doing that and I just think to myself no I want to I don't care how low this goes I, I want to mm-hmm. be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord rather than anybody else yeah. and so there's no such thing as, as a job too small for us or um something too far beneath us the title is just a title that's right we're just men following the lord so oh lord almighty blessed is the one who trusts in you 